1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
0: You know, I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their Social Index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms. Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. visit earnedmediavalues.com slash alan. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. Welcome to Marketing Today. I'm your host, Alan Hart, managing partner of Atomic, combining brand science and creative fire. Today on the show, I've got Ryan Leslie, Grammy-nominated recording artist, producer, and... And founder of Superphone. Superphone's enabled him to become an independent artist and manage his following of 65,000 conversations. He's got the backing of some of the best independent artists or artists in general, as well as the VC community. Ryan talks about how messaging, direct messaging, is going to be an enabler for all kinds of industries and businesses to manage the relationships that they've built. Ryan and I also talk about what, how he manages all the various aspects of his life. He's an artist, a producer, technology entrepreneur. We talk about how he you know, manages his sleep, his working hours, prioritization, and a lot more. Ryan's a real inspiration to anybody that's really trying to unleash their personal potential to achieve their hopes and dreams.
1: Well, Ryan, welcome to the show. Thank you, boss. Appreciate it.
0: So I'd love to start off by just having you go through your background. How'd you get started? How'd you end up becoming a recording artist, Um, a Grammy-nominated recording artist, I should say, a producer, and now you're in the tech world as a startup founder?
1: Yeah, well, Let's, let's keep it super succinct. Grew up, son of immigrants. Parents knew that education was going to be the pathway to the achievement of the American dream. So I followed that pathway, went to Harvard, came out, decided I wanted to do music, much to the chagrin of my parents and hustled to make that happen. In 2003, caught a break in New York, was managed by Puff, Daddy P. Diddy, Sean Combs as a producer. In 2004, started to see the social media revolution, signed My Girl at the time. Her name was Cassie, wrote a record for her, went first to number one on the MySpace charts, then to top 10 in eight different countries. She sold 650,000 albums, and then I released two recordings of my own on a major, second of which nominated for a Grammy. And now... I release my music independently and I do it direct to consumer through a platform that I've been working on for a couple of years now called Superphone. So the way it works is really simple. I've converted just over 20% of my Instagram following to direct either text or messenger. And I just send updates and keep in touch with everyone directly as opposed to on social channels via Superphone. Interesting.
0: So I want to talk about Superphone a little bit more a little later. You you did that extremely brief. Um, There was a couple points that I found just fascinating. I don't know why, but I've never met a person or talked to or interviewed a person that scored sixteen hundred on their SAT. Um, So congrats on that, man. (laughs) I don't know I don't know how you did that, but but uh, uh, I aspire to be one of those people. Mm -hmm. And then the second is you got an early start to college, right? It was. Were you fourteen or something like that? I I, I remember reading something. That
1: you're really young when you were going to yeah, college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I applied super early, and uh, yeah, I started Harvard. When I was 15. So, yeah, I mean, for me, wasn't necessarily too far ahead of the curve. I'm a September baby. My mom put me in the school a year early, and I skipped my senior year of high school. So that's two years. A lot of folks start college at 17, 18. So I was 15, just because I had those two those two years of, of advancement, if you will. So, you know, flash forward,
0: you get into the music career, you go the traditional route, right? Find a, um, a big name, a label, so to speak. And then you make this decision to go independent. Why'd you make that decision? You know, what, what was the process you thought about or went through to, to go independent?
1: It was really simple. I walked into a marketing meeting and my label and my second album, Grammy-nominated, had sold about a third of the number of copies of my first album. And I wondered why there was such a disparity between the two numbers, especially in a technology-enabled world where Apple knows every single person who's purchased from iTunes. Amazon knows every every single purchaser on their platform. And so it really confused me that the music industry was sitting sort of at the apex of culture and was always pushing and always progressive and always cutting edge and for whatever reason we just had no insight on the people who were supporting me specifically and so that's really that, that was really the genesis of Superfly. I had all these social followers over a million across all of my platforms and was still feeling very disconnected saw the engagement to be, you know, at all time lows, 1%, 2%. And I knew that if I could have a direct conversation, if I actually knew everyone, then the economics would turn around and they actually did.
0: And so you today, so you've got this varied career, right? You got like multiple hats, you got technology entrepreneur, you're still making, producing music. Um, How do you, you know, just give us a sense of how you split your time. How do you allocate your time to all those different efforts?
1: Yeah, really, I, I just follow my own schedule. And I read somewhere that you only really get four-hour blocks where you can be truly attentive to something, which is why people take a, a lunch break in the middle of the day and uh, they get off of work at 5 o'clock, right? So you got four-hour blocks that you, can, that you can focus your time on any specific topic. And so for me, I just make sure it's varied. And for me also, I adopted very early on di or a polyphasic sleep schedule which means that i'm up 20 hours usually in a 24-hour cycle which means that i've got five different four-hour blocks in that time let's say i take one of those away or just catching up on some food or 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 doing some exercise and then i got four other four-hour blocks that i can really focus my time let's say i devote two to start-up and then another four-hour block to, you know, personal relationships and then another four-hour block to music. And I've got a pretty, I mean, it's it's actually pretty routine Uh, and allows me to really focus with some vigor on the areas of my life and the projects that make me most excited and the projects that I'm most passionate about pursuing
0: it's interesting i've not, i've not heard that type of system before is there is there a way where you prioritize do you do the blocks change every day you know what you're focused on in each block
1: yeah they can change they they definitely can change I, I would say it's a lot more systemic i mean humans are creatures of habit at least that's what i what what i've come to understand and so for me get up early get in a great workout with the trainer uh, I'm I'm actually extremely systematic. It's almost, it's almost robotic. I, even when I eat food, it's it's uh, it's, it's very it's it's very utility driven. So for me, my diet is steamed vegetables, some kind of protein, whether it's chicken or fish, and uh, and if I want to be indulgent, something on the fruit side, a smoothie, a lot of a lot of water. And uh, it's really just to make sure that I have that fuel. I mean, when you look at a supercar, they just, you know, you you just put that the best fuel in the supercar, and it's always the same fuel. So for me, that's that's basically <laughs> the same type of vibe I've adopted. I mean, there are folks that you know really enjoy the experience of food per se. For me, it's much more of a utility. I was just like, I I literally eat the same meal four times a day, switch it up a little bit for breakfast. Try to make sure that I'm always infusing some networking over meals, but it makes it very, very easy. I almost have a uniform. My parents were in the Salvation Army, they have a uniform. So for me, uh, my favorite jeans, I got seven, eight, nine, ten pairs of them, <laughs> favorite sneakers, favorite, you know, t shirts every once in a while. Toss it together with a nice overcoat, jacket, denim jacket, leather jacket, that kind of vibe. But it's it's all really kind of a palette. Uh, and I think, you know, for any great brand, they have a palette, they have a brand Bible. And so for me, for my personal brand is because I do happen to have, or I've been able to amass a, a moderately significant following across social channels. There's a consistency. It's easy to maintain and I can focus on doing the real work that I find to be most exciting, which is being ahead of the curve in terms of human behavior, connectivity, conversation management. And that's what makes the work that I'm doing at Superphone so exciting. Not only is it exciting because I've generated more revenue independently than I ever did with a label, based on the concepts of direct communication, but also because I believe that there will be a world in which, I mean, technology has actually shifted our ability to to communicate. And so, one of my investors and one of the foremost marketing minds in the world, his name is Boninbaugh, and he basically strongly believes that messaging is or will be in the very near future the dominant form of human communication and there needs to be a layer of intelligence there needs to be a way for people to organize prioritize set reminders um, and do all of the all of the 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 actions. That are necessary to make your messaging the most efficient. Since the greatest luxury for anyone is time, and so if the time that it takes you to search your messages or your text messages, which or any messages to find that message that's most important, or to find the people with whom you need to message, reducing that time is adding that much luxury to everyone's life. And so that's that's the beauty of uh, that's the beauty of Superphone for me.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. And so you know you're using Superphone, and I'd love to. Get your sense. I mean, how do you? You said you're managing sixty-five thousand conversations. Sure. I mean, that sounds that sounds so um, <laughs> daunting to me.
1: Yeah, well, I'll say this. I mean, all of those sixty-five thousand people are not talking to you at the same time. I mean, even for you, if you just think about your phone right now, or anyone's listening, think about your phone right now and the number of contacts you have in your phone. How many of those contacts, with? How many of those contacts do you converse on a daily? basis. Probably a very, very small handful, unless your job is to just cold call people that are strangers. But the beauty of SuperPhone is the way that it works is I'm very interested in converting someone from a stranger or a supporter to a friend. And what I mean by friend is, you know, it depends. It's a very loose definition of a friend, but at the very least, a friend is someone I have a first name, last name, email cell phone, zip code. I know where they are in case I'm in the city. I can reach out to them, say, let's link up, whether we can link up personally or whether we link up because there's some group activity like a concert or a show, a book signing, uh, a meetup, whatever it is. I'm interested in converting strangers into friendships. And then over time, based on conversations that we have, and this is just any human relationship, it scales. It's initially unscalable, I should say, because there is no layer of intelligence. We're all left up to our own human devices to have conversations. And so what we're building a superphone is actually an extension and what superphone is to me is an extension of me. And it becomes a brain in my phone which remembers context, remembers and can 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 build and measure metrics on how long it takes for Alan to respond to me, how many phone calls do we exchange. And then it can assign a relationship score based on those metrics. So if someone always responds, we have a lot of phone conversations, we're sending a lot of media messages back and forth, that relationship score is going to be higher. And that's irrespective of how much money people spend, how many social followers they have how influential they are, how much they engage with me on social media. So really for me, and I believe sort of getting back to the conversation, is that managing 65,000 conversations means that 65,000 people have sent me a message interested in connecting in some way. And so the intelligence layer helps me to prioritize, segment, organize, and respond to all of those inquiries and also learn more about what each person is interested in discussing with me and also leading those people to some means of support whether it's they're interested in promoting they're interested in being evangelists of what i'm doing they're interested in actually using superphone for their themselves for their own networking and so it's it, it is in it is a uh, conversation management at the scale of 65,000 conversations a day, it might be a couple hundred conversations a day, which with an intelligence layer attached to your conversations is more than manageable. Right,
0: right. So you, it sounds like you developed this to solve your independent artist challenge, right? Get your word out to build a direct relationship. You've opened it up, my understanding, you've opened it up to other folks now. It's uh, in, is it in beta or is it fully released at this point?
1: it's still in private beta. Okay. Um, but you... it's almost like it's, it's almost like the greatest album <laughs> or the greatest you know the greatest creative offering that I will give to the world, right? And so right as you as you look at you know some of my favorite artists their albums are consistently pushed back because the mix has to be right. And so for us the product being turnkey, the product being informative, the product being valuable is paramount for me and for my team at Superformance. So that's really why it's still in private beta. In this private beta, though, we've been able to see many different user profiles from a food truck to an e-commerce store owner. So you just have to imagine if you have an e-commerce store or you're a writer and you're just starting every single customer is critical. And so the ability to actually have a way to manage direct conversations with every single customer, especially when you only have 100 or you only have 1,000, is critical to the success of your business. And then let's just imagine that your product happens to be a luxury product or it happens to be a product that has significant upside potential for you. Let's say you're a car dealer. Every single conversation, let's say you're a real estate agent. Selling $200,000, $100,000, even $60,000 properties. Every single conversation is, is critical. And so what we've been finding is that an email subscription list is just really antiquated in terms of a methodology to actually have and carry on a direct conversation, which is critical for business. And so it was critical for my business as an artist. It's critical for a dealership, it's critical for an insurance agents, it's, incri- it's critical for real estate agents, it's critical for folks who are authors, folks who are interested in being influencers, it's critical for uh, ministers uh, who lead congregations, it's critical for politicians, it's literally critical, at least in my opinion, even if you're a college student and you're looking to land a job, every single conversation is critical. And so an intelligence layer on those conversations, which can help you extract the value that you need, whether it's a sale, whether it's networking, whether it's just even on a romantic side, the ability for you to actually be more present in your conversations based on previous topics that have been discussed, it's critical. And so that's really why...
0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: We have been analyzing, learning from the user archetypes in our private data so that when we do do a public release and everyone decides that they, too, would like a layer of intelligence on their messaging, which is the dominant way that they communicate with everyone in their world, from friends, family, fans, customers, congregation, et cetera, then the product is a product that's actually valuable and serves them in a way that's going to extract that value and give them the most value possible.
0: Are you, um, I want to get into how you're seeing success with this, but um, I also, while it's top of mind, are you taking on investment for this venture? Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. So we've, we've raised, um, we've got um very happy about the in- investors that are in this round. We have some pretty amazing angel investors. Ben Horowitz came in, Betaworks, John Borthwick. We've got, uh, you know, young investors like Edward Lando, David Phillips. And then we've got, you know, the founders of Angry Birds, Moorcap. Which is, you know, Chirsten Cooley. Um, we've got the, the CEO of Doberman who came in with her fund, Doberman Forward. We've got Andrea Godwala, uh, from the Warriors. We've got, you know, kind of a who's who friends of <laughs> mine from school, Taj Clayton, who, you know, put together a syndicate of, of minority investors. Uh, we've got, you know, women represented in our investment pool from Victoria's Secret model, uh, Daniela Braga to, you know, Serial Startup Investor, Shanti Kandasami, I mean, we've got an incredible list of folks. The management company for Nicki Minaj and G-Eazy, they're investors. The executive producer and creator of Love & Hip Hop is an investor. So, yes, we do have a very diverse, and for any of the investors that I missed, there's 55 of you guys. Uh, you know, I, I appreciate what everyone's brought to the table and is bringing to the table for this. And currently, yes, we are. We and I think I think we'll always be raising, mostly because you know this is a this is a very very complex challenge that we're solving, right? And so the more resources that we can put towards this challenge, the more valuable we can build, the more valuable we can build the the product to be.
0: So how have you seen success? Like maybe it's an analogy to what it was like as a as a publishing. Op- Artist on a label
1: versus your own independent. Seeing success is really is is really easy to to say. So when I sold sixty thousand records, I, I saw I sold sixty thousand records, and, and really, uh, you know, selling sixty thousand records. If someone spent a million bucks to promote that record, then the artist very rarely is able to recoup that uh, that that marketing expense, and so basically. Doing this with Superphone, 35,000 people texted me. Every single one of them received a response that said, hey, I want to get to know you better. Let's stay in touch. Add your info to my phone. 33,000 of the 35,000 added their info. And then I recommended that here was a way they could actually support my art. Here's a link to my new project. Seventeen thousand, fifty 50% of that 33,000 that added themselves to my phone actually supported. And then when I went on tour, Every single one of those 17,000 people uh, introduced the idea of my tour to a friend or two. We sold 40,000 tickets at 40 bucks a ticket. I mean, all said and done, we're talking about a $2 million album cycle. No label, no manager, no music videos, no campaign except for an inbound SMS campaign. Now yes, I already had built the following on social. But the power of this and the conversion, the engagement is really beyond any other tool that I've ever used. And so that's what I believe uh, really earned the excitement and earned the dollars from our investors because literally anyone who's building a social following, they are seeing these very, very low conversion rates. And for me, I'm seeing very, very high engagement and conversion rates. That's awesome. We
0: talked a little bit about this, uh, you know, all these different use cases and and different types of businesses or um, uh, folks that could use the Superphone in the future. You know, what I'm curious, what is the vision for Superphone? How would you?
1: Those are all people. The, those are all people who are actually using it now in our okay. private beta. Okay. So, yeah. and the vision is that eventually you will go to you will go to T-Mobile, AT and T, Sprint. Tele mobile if you're in Sweden, Eti Salad, if you're in the Middle East, and your phone will have an inbox for your messaging. So for me, when I go to my messages and I want to when I go to my messages and I want to send a message to people who are investors, or I want to send a message to everyone I know who's an athlete, or I want to send a message to family, I can filter my text message inbox by that tag. And just see messages from family. So I'm not distracted by any other messages. I believe that that should just be a fundamental functionality of your messaging application. And that's the long-term vision for Superphone is just to be able to enable anyone who wants to, like I said, segment, organize, prioritize, and really make sure they're talking to the people who are most valuable to them are doing so. And then there's also, you know, another feature which is really important to me which is the ability for my phone to step in and to compensate for my human shortcomings, which means that if I mark someone as very important, the beauty is that when I mark that person as very important and we are messaging normally, Superphone takes a back seat. And as soon as Superphone detects that there's a two-week gap or whatever interval I set, and there have been no messages exchanged and no phone calls exchanged, it will jump in and actually initiate a conversation on my behalf because I told Superphone that person and that conversation was important to me. So the the applications for this kind of intelligence on messaging are actually, in my opinion and the opinion of my team and the opinion of my investors, actually universal. The commercial applications uh, are also for us, very, very powerful for the reasons that we discussed before. Wow.
0: It's powerful and human. It's technology that's human, right? It works the way you want it to work and need it to work. For sure. So changing subjects a little bit, I want to talk a little bit maybe more about the music industry before we move into more personal questions, if that's all right. I just, I'm curious. I mean, you've made this successful switch to moving to independent. Do you think... The model that you're approaching now is the model of music going forward. You know what? How does that reflect on the industry? I guess I'm just want what, want your opinions on the on the matter.
1: For me, the music industry is really always going to be a matter of discovery. So, superphone and art platform steps in once someone's been discovered. So either you are discovered on SoundCloud, YouTube, etc., and someone says, "You know what? This moves me enough. I want to stay in touch with." I want to stay in touch with whoever is creating this. And so what that means is that discovery is still always going to be that gateway for the inbound message. We're we're on message management. We're that that's what we do. We do message management. We make sure that people who wanna know what's up always know what's up because they're connected in that way. And they are also they are also building conversational profiles, which means that when people want to know specific details about specific events, specific merch drops, specific tour dates, they're getting those details. And so I think that you know we're a we're, we're utility and that utility is really agnostic across any industry vertical just because it doesn't matter what you're doing. You have to communicate and we're an right. intelligence layer on top of it. As far as the music industry is our model, is is my model. My model has been successful for me. Can it be replicated? I'm sure it can be. What are the ways that it can be replicated? Well, I can give you the steps, and you can you can replicate those steps. Uh, at the end of the day, though, music is subjective, so and it's about discovery. And there's also right. sort of a magic power of music that the more you hear it, the more that it's you know ingrained in your head. So. If you have an engine that, you know, wakes someone up every day with the same melody, then people will remember it. They'll gravitate toward it. And then the other piece of music is that music is really fused with human experiences. It's one of the only mediums of art that you can do while doing something else. You can obviously listen to music while watching a movie. That's why you why the scores of movies are so important. You can listen to music while driving. You can listen to music while having a wedding. You can listen to music at the same time as doing other activities. And so they become fused together, the activity and the music become fused together. And there is an emotional response to that fusion. And so that's why you find that when someone's heartbroken and they are filling the space because they've lost someone with music then the song begins to take on another kind of meaning and the person who created that song becomes a savior an angel of sorts and so there's just a, there's just a different kind of uh, relationship that's built between musicians and those that support those musicians and so yeah i mean you know what's the future for music i mean the future's already been laid out look at spotify look at music um uh and how it's being exploited on streaming services etc and the bottom line is that 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 that's that's laid out. I mean, it's 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 you have the 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 streaming platforms, and you have the basically for nine ninety nine a month, you can have access to a catalog of the world's library recorded music, right? So, uh, the end of the day then comes down to are there ways, and there are other platforms like our friends over at Patreon, which enable artists to actually tap into. The support levels of folks that want to directly support them, as opposed to generically support them across streaming services.
0: Interesting. So I think I know the answer to this question. But if somebody wanted to to reach out to you, either this podcast is going to be you know listened to by marketers, potentially VPs of marketing, CMOs, um, they sure. want to reach out to you. They just text you, right? That's how I me. Mean, that's how we got to know each other.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You just you could literally just shoot me a text. Uh, my number is very prominently displayed across all my socials. I'm at Ryan Leslie on Facebook, at Ryan Leslie on Instagram, at Ryan Leslie on Twitter, at Ryan Leslie on YouTube. My number is prominently displayed across all those social channels. And you can also just shoot me a Facebook message as well. I mean, Superphone is making some pretty amazing strides with the Facebook Messenger platform. I just took a meeting actually just yesterday with, the, with Facebook at their HQ. Uh, with the global director. And so I'm very, very excited about what enriched messaging can look like uh, with the Messenger platform and how Superphone can also be an intelligence layer on that means of communication as well.
0: You know, we get a little bit personal here, stepping back from the business, the, the industry, the music, you know, your startup. What fuels you? You know, why do you get up every day?
1: I mean, I really feel like, first of all, I love building. Right. So the beauty of uh, building music tracks was that, you know, I knew all the different building blocks, the drum sequence, the, the samples of, you know, little snippets of drums that were recorded different places in the world or in different studios to the synthesizers, to the vocal track, to layering the harmonies, to creating a bridge, to doing a breakdown, to all the beautiful elements that come together to create a great recording and so to do this on a software level where we have an objective versus a subjective value is just an incredible journey to be on and there may be and there invariably do exist folks that just they they prefer a different style of music than I create when you start talking about intelligence on conversation then there's an objective value and ability to actually serve and give value to this generation of, of messengers and <laughs> the next generation and future generations. I mean, that, 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 that prospect, that potential is of course what not only, you know, wakes me up, but keeps me from sleeping. Right. So that's really, that's really why I, I've been so excited about this. And, and the ancillary, the ancillary value of this is that it empowers my independent music career allows me to have the freedom to drop a song when I want, do a tour when I want, because I have a direct relationship with the people who are interested in engaging with the content I'm creating and congregating when I decide that I want to do a show or, or, or do some sort of group activity or group activation. And so it's really just, you know, you can hear I'm all the way fired up and I'm, I'm excited about what the future holds and I'm excited about the rest of the world catching up to the idea that conversations are really really the the currency that drives all of the experiences in our life
0: curious as well as a, somebody i'm sure that's got their eye on the marketplace you know are there brands or companies or even causes that you think other people should be taking notice of
1: man uh, so many <laughs> I and mean, for me the causes nearest and dearest to my heart, and I definitely want to work with them, is, is the Salvation Army. My grandparents on both sides were Salvation Army officers. My parents, uh, Salvation Army officers, grew up in that organization and have already taken the steps to have those preliminary meetings on how messaging can be used as a, as a channel to communicate and activate and engage and support the incredible work that they're doing. And, you know, I, I, I'm always looking at Google, I'm always looking at Facebook, I'm built on Twilio, uh, I'm building on Messenger. And, uh, you know, uh, Instagram has also been pretty, I mean, all the content distribution platforms, SoundCloud, Spotify, you know, Apple, all of these places are all very, very sort of important to just the ecosystem of, of what, how people communicate, how, how they share their messages etc. and so we're focused on the direct communication channels mm-hmm. and at the same time Netflix, YouTube, um and all the other places are focused on um they're focused on broadcast communication channels and right. so yeah I mean I'm just excited about the space in general and it's good to be ahead it's, it's good to be able to see that future vision being realized as more and more um, strides are made to allow people to really get into this and to to do it on the level that we're doing it at Superphone. I'm excited about it.
0: Last question: I Have and you may not think of yourself as a marketer, but I think you are. I think you're a master marketer. Um, and so I'm curious just to get your opinion on what you think the future of marketing holds.
1: I mean, I think I think this I think this conversation is pretty clearly <laughs> that the future of marketing is is conversational. And yeah. when you think about conversational, that means that it then becomes a lifelong conversation until someone decides to, that the conversation is no longer valuable. And so that's the true mark. And that's the true measure of a master marketer is how long can they keep the conversation active and valuable? And how much can they extract from that conversation? that makes that conversation more valuable for the parties that are engaged in that conversation. And that's, that's, that's what I'm betting. I'm betting my whole life on that. It's super fun. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks. Thanks for having me, man. And uh, like, like, like Alan said, if you want to get with me, man, just uh, shoot me a text or a Facebook message and let's connect. Awesome.